The scripture reading is taken from John chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. John chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. The Bible says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Our message this week is entitled, Appetite for Pandemic. Appetite for Pandemic. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to study your word. Once again, Lord, I ask that you make me just a nail upon the wall, a rusty, sorry nail, Lord. But upon that nail, Lord, I ask that you hang a portrait of Jesus Christ. Let Eric Walsh not be seen or heard. Instead, Father, let us hear a word from the throne room of grace. It's our prayer in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. A lot to cover tonight. We're going to jump right into this. Uh, Numbers chapter 21. Numbers chapter 21, and we're going to start at verse 1. The Bible says, And when King Arad the Canaanite, which dwelt in the south, heard, in the south, heard tell that Israel came by the way of the spies, then he fought against Israel and took some of them prisoners. And Israel vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, If thou wilt indeed deliver this people into my hand, then I will utterly destroy their city. So Israel gets uh, near the promised land, right really on the border. And it was the way that the spies would have traveled, uh, as you can see. But Arad, king of the Canaanites, fought against them, took some prisoners. Israel, the people, were so angry that they made a vow with God that if God would deliver the people into their hand, that they would utterly destroy their cities. Verse 3 says, And the Lord hearkened to the voice of Israel and delivered up the Canaanites, and they utterly destroyed them and their cities, and he called the name of the place Hormah. Out of this victory comes a very strange story. It's important to understand that the children of Israel and God seem to be in sync. I would, um, I would have to imagine that there were many in the house of Israel that thought after this victory they would just march into the promised land and take over. But that's not what God intended to do. And, and let me early in this message stick this in. The reason God doesn't often give us the promised land right up front is because if we don't have to go through something to get to the promised land, we won't have promised land characters. We won't be purified. We won't be developed. And so uh, here, uh, as they have this great victory, they're probably ready to go in. But verse 4, the story pivots. Numbers chapter 21 and verse 4 says, And they journeyed from, the, from, the, from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And look at this. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. It wasn't a very pleasant way to travel. It wasn't a very easy way to travel. It was arid. It was desert. It was hot. There wasn't a lot of water everywhere. They just left looking into the, 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 the fruitful, um, um, a plenteous land that was a promise to be theirs. And now they're going in another direction in an arid, dry land, and it makes no sense. 
And once you start thinking that God's way makes no sense, most people will start to murmur and complain. And in verse 5, the Bible says, And the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have ye brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. You got to get this. So as they begin to travel, remember that at nighttime, there's a pillar of fire watching over them. Remember that during the daytime, there is a cloud guiding them. Remember that twice a day, manna, angels' food, David calls it, falls from heaven for them to eat. And they are angry now because as they travel this arid, difficult way, uh, a more dangerous route, not looking into the fertile lands of, the, uh, of Canaan and the promise that they've been given, they begin to murmur. Watch this church. And as they begin to murmur, they be, notice that their complaining shifts to appetite. But there is no bread. Neither any water. And we have begun. Look at what they say here. Our soul, their, their, their being hates the light bread. Remember, in Deuteronomy they say, where we ate at the flesh pots, bread to the full. In other words, ha, the food that God gave them didn't make their belly bust. They didn't have this overwhelming feeling of satiation that went to pain. Oh, y'all missing this thing. They, they, they didn't have to loosen their belts when they ate the way God said eat. And so they hated the food God prescribed and gave them. Oh, you got to follow me. Because this is the plight of the children of Israel, spiritual Israel here in the last days. Many of us loathe the light bread of the health message. We can't stand it. Uh, I, I, I've seen people mock it. Preachers, pastors mock our health message from the pulpit. Loathe it. And here's the irony. While we loathe our health message, the world is embracing it. Verse 6, Numbers chapter 21, the Bible says, The Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Once again, the Bible shows us a pandemic of sorts. Here, all of a sudden, because of their complaining and murmuring, their questioning God and his wisdom, their rejection of his bountiful uh, provision in the form of manna, Perfect food was manna, and yet they complain. So God, and, and, and you're gonna read, we're going to read some incredible things from the spirit of prophecy on this in a second, so just hold on. So God uh, removes his protection. They're going through the desert. They're going through a land of snakes and asps where it is dangerous because they're poisonous, venomous creatures. And when they begin to murmur and complain, God removes his protection. Let me tell you something, church. When you start to murmur and to complain against God, you are, you are 
telling him to remove his protection. That's what happened to the disciples on the boat as Jesus was on the shoreline praying, separated from them. They began to murmur and complain that, uh, that Christ would not allow them to crown him king. The spirit of prophecy tells us that while they were there murmuring, God gave them something bigger to worry about. And the storm came. I hope as you're going through this pandemic and coming out of the other side of it, I hope you're not murmuring and complaining against God. The Lord sent fiery serpents. Ellen White says this, spiritual gifts. Uh, chapter 4, page 41 says, To punish them for their ingratitude and complaining against God, the Lord permitted fiery serpents to bite them. Watch this, church. They were called fiery because their bite produced painful inflammation and speedy death. The Israelites up to this time had been preserved from these serpents in the wilderness, don't miss this, by a continual miracle. For the wilderness through which they, they traveled was infested with poisonous serpents. God had allowed the serpents to be held back and not touch them. They didn't realize as they complained that they were literally every step they took was a step in the miraculous. Because every step they took, the vermin, the snakes, the predators that would normally pick off a large group like this were being held back and constrained by God's power. The cloud by day and the fire pillar by night made sure that this serpent would not get to them. Yet they complained. And notice what Elwai says. She says that it, a bite that produced painful inflammation. Inflammation is a reaction by the immune system. So to make this make sense to us today, I want you to understand that the coronavirus is a fiery virus. Use the definition of something that causes inflammation and then causes a rel relatively quick death. That would be the coronavirus. Now watch this. The coronavirus is a disease of inflammation. The, the, what normally is end stage or what causes the final uh, um, um, the pathological movements is something called acute respiratory distress syndrome, ARDS. And this is mediated in part by what we call a cytokine storm in the third hyperinflammatory phase, which the third phase of the coronavirus infection is the hyperinflammatory phase to make that phase to make that clear. So there's this cytokine storm and what that is an overreaction or an hyperinflammation that happens uh, from your own immune system. Don't miss this. It's not the virus that does that. It is your body reacting to, it's your body reacting to the virus that causes this hyperinflammation. So watch this. If you can understand inflammation and you understand how to prevent inflammation, uh, uh, you can possibly treat or prevent coronavirus or at least the, the bad outcomes of the virus. Wow. Let me make it a little more plain. Let me, let me put up another slide. I want you to see that the first stage is asymptomatic and over 80% of people stay here. 
in, the, in this phase. They don't, they don't move beyond this phase. The second phase, stage two, is a non-severe but symptomatic. And, and, and again, 80 to 90, somewhere between 80 and 90, of some studies say 98% of people will never pass the, the second stage. It's the third stage. It's the fiery stage where severe respiratory inflammation happens. It is called a hyperinflammatory phase where you get the cytokine storm like the serpent when it bit and it caused this inflammatory reaction that people got probably got terrible fevers and probably suffered a painful yet quick death on the floor of the desert. The virus strikes similarly in those who are susceptible. So the disease is a disease of inflammation. And here, just to give you some idea of what this looks like, on this slide, um, you can see here um, the in induction phase. Here are the cytokines. And what happens is, as the um, immunopathogenesis happens here, you get the cytokine storm. When that cytokine storm happens in response to the antigen, in this case, the coronavirus, um, you get capillary leakage syndrome, the very capillaries that are hold your blood all the way to the end, all the way into your organs, to the tips of your fingers, or onto your skin. They begin to leak. And when they begin to leak in conjunction with the cytokine storm, you begin to get multi-organ failure. One of the things that happens as the capillaries leak, fluid comes into the lung, the lungs get injured, you get acute respiratory distress syndrome, you go into cardiovascular shock, then you, the, the blood begins to even coagulate, and all of a sudden the kidneys are in trouble, you wind up with uh, end organ damage and multi-organ failure, and that's just a general way that the cytokine storm works. Uh, coronavirus clearly has many of these attributes that cause death. It is a hyper-inflammatory response. But I want you to know that a big part of that has nothing to do with the virus but the condition of the host. And if you change the condition of the host, the virus has less and less power to the point where in some ways the virus can be made powerless. So the virus comes in, I've talked about this earlier in the series, through the ACE2, angiotensin converting enzyme 2 receptors. The virus comes in, it plugs in here, um, and when it plugs in here, um, it, it is able to then get into the cell. And remember, a virus is not fully alive. The virus wants to get into the cell, hijack the machinery of the cell, um, and then use the cell's machinery that God gave the cell to be able to make and produce what the cell needs to make and produce and to reproduce. And the virus gets in there, hijacks the machinery, and then the virus starts to make what it wants. It'd be like an invading army taking over uh, the United States and every factory, every auto plant, everything in America that's designed to manufacture and produce being taken over and the enemy now beginning to produce its own products and weaponry out of it. And the reason this is so significant, don't miss this, is that angiotensin-converting enzyme 2, the, the, the receptor there connected to that, uh, is also a part of what we call the renin-angiotensin-aldosterone syndrome. This is critical because it is this system that does two things. One, it is imperative to the way that the kidneys function and it manages blood pressure. Don't miss this. The reason we are seeing the disease present the way it does is if you have high blood pressure, and then of course many people are on ACEs, 
angiotensin can, uh, converting enzyme um, inhibitors like, uh, like um, lisinopril or captopril. Uh, many people are on that for their blood pressure and to protect their kidneys. The virus then has a, it actually works better on some, insert, some are arguing if you're on those medications, either because you have more receptors or maybe some changes that the, those drugs have made in your body. But it also, even the ARBs, um, angiotensin receptor blockers, another class of high blood pressure medications, seem to have some similar effects. So who is it that dies from this virus and this infection? Number one, people with high blood pressure, kidney disease, heart disease. Makes sense now because the virus literally hijacks one of the receptors that would normally be used to regulate these systems and now causes some form of dysregulation. And of course, triggers hyperinflammation in the, in the system. So if you understand how to fight that, you can understand how to fix things. And that is how it gets in the body. This is why these comorbid conditions you keep hearing about are so important. And here we go. The virus does not work alone. So I put here, this is early on in the, in the pandemic. This came out of the deaths, coronavirus deaths in New York. The number one up here, hypertension, number one comorbid condition. Number two, diabetes. Makes sense, right? Because diabetes affects pretty much everything, affects the nerves. Um, and we're going to talk a bit about how elevated blood sugars work with the immune system and against it. Um, high cholesterol, heart disease, coronary artery disease, which is really pre the, the, the um, condition that must exist in a sense for you to have a heart attack, kidney disease, dementia, which many times is what we call multi-infarct dementia, meaning that the blood vessels in the brain, the small capillaries have already been messed up, and so their blood doesn't get all the way in the brain, so you have little miniature strokes that cause dementia. Many people who we say have Alzheimer's disease actually had a cardiovascular, a, uh, um, um, an arterial, blood arterial um, syndrome that caused many tiny, tiny strokes over the years that eventually cumulatively make the person uh, have the symptoms of dementia. Um, we can go on and on. COPD, cancer, of course, because many of the cancers will drop your immune system and many of the treatments for cancer will drop your immune system. Atrial fibrillation, which has to do with, with uh, causing blood clots and sometimes a, is a sign that the heart's been damaged. Um, and, of course, um, heart failure uh, as well. So what does that mean? Well, this one shows you that if you look at the people in America most vulnerable to disease... The people with the greatest health disparities are African-Americans. And when you look at this, uh, in Louisiana, African-Americans are 32% of the population. They are 70% of the coronavirus deaths. In Illinois, African-Americans are 15% of the population. They're 42% of the coronavirus deaths. Michigan, 14% of the population, 41% of the deaths. Um, in Chicago, 30% of the population 69% of the deaths. Now, many people are saying, I, it's funny, I'm watching politicians jump up and down. This isn't right. The truth is the virus isn't doing anything that already wasn't in play. African-Americans, will, will, as we say in our, our slave food presentations with Dr. Columbus Batista and I, the African-Americans will die sicker and sooner than everyone else in America. We've already known that. The virus is just highlighting the fractures in, in our society around race and health, uh, highlighting it. In fact, in New York, some of the studies showed that Latinos um, had even higher rates of death uh, per capita than African-Americans did in some of, the, some of the papers that I read. So it is those who are at risk are more at risk. 
And so the disease, this virus, is not just randomly attacking people and taking them out. I want to submit to you today that if your body is in already in a state of chronic disease and, and, and a state of a pro-inflammatory uh, state, then the virus comes in and you are the perfect host for the virus to take out. Now let me spoiler alert you. Our health message is an anti-inflammatory message. So what else? Well, there's a few other key components I want to pull in. One of them is this one, city life and disease, coronavirus um, severity by vitamin D level. So if you live in the city or live uh, like most of us live, especially up here in Connecticut in the wintertime, you're not going to get a lot of exposure to the sun. Do you see this? Look at this. Um, of those people who have critical and severe um, coronavirus disease, notice the, how tiny the percentage here is in green of those that have adequate vitamin D levels, basically of, of less than probably 5%. Most people are somewhat vitamin D deficient and like half or more than half in the critical column and in the um, severe column are severely vitamin D deficient. You see that? And here, look at this. The people who get mild to no symptoms or mild to no disease have ample, um, uh, uh, 98%, I think that says there, 98% have very good vitamin D levels. Did you get that? Vitamin D, which is critical to the way the immune system works, has now been correlated strongly with low levels, people with low levels getting hit with a disease, people with high levels being protected from the virus. I want to empower you as we come out of this lockdown that there's a lot you can do. So as the sun is shining and they're lifting restrictions, get outside. The thing that came out also today is, the virus does, again came out, is the virus does not do well in sunlight. It does not do well outside in warmth and humidity. It doesn't even stay on surfaces anywhere near as long as everyone thought. The CDC just put that out today, that everybody's been wiping down packages and afraid to touch everything, but it doesn't actually seem to be virulent, even though it can be found there, as, as long as they said earlier. So get outside, get vitamin D, boost your immune system in the sunlight. Isn't it incredible that this is one of the parts of our health message? When you do New Start, the S stands for sunlight. Sunlight itself kills the virus and gives your immune system a boost through vitamin D. So why is that important? Because when you look at this slide, vitamin D by race and ethnicity for U.S. adults, overall, only 13%, regardless of your color or your ethnicity, only about 13% of Americans have adequate vitamin D levels. But if you look over here, African Americans, that number drops down to 6%. Um, for whites, it's a little more than 13%. Uh, and Latinos, it's even less than for African-Americans, shockingly. So what you find is that there is uh, across the board, and this, it doesn't matter what color you are in America, most of us don't have enough sunlight, but it's much worse. The red bar here, where it's less than 20 um, um, micrograms per milliliter, you can see it's much worse for African-Americans than for anyone else. And that makes sense. African-Americans with darker skin, the melanin in our skin blocks some of the ultraviolet rays of the sun that would help to convert vitamin D. So you need more, up to four or five times more sunlight exposure to get the same amount of vitamin D as, a, as like a Northern European would. All of this is something that the, the press isn't telling you. You can take back some of the fear by simply following our health message, getting out into the fresh air and into the sun. Why? Look at this. Here it says, high-rise urbanists, this is an article I, I copied from off the internet, high-rise urban living and COVID-19, what are the risks and 
Can we design pandemic-proof buildings? They're now saying that the joint water supply in some of these big high-rise buildings, the shared air, recirculated air, the fact that everyone has to go in and out the same way, so they touch the door handles, and even though now they're saying it doesn't last as long, but obviously if you touch the door handle right after someone else did and then touch your face, you can get the virus. All of these things, they're saying the cities themselves help to cause the problem. Look at this. There's an article here from Money Magazine that says, uh, this is the title, Get Me Out of Here. Americans flee crowded cities among COVID-19 and consider permanent moves. The Americans are looking to get out of the cities. Sounds like something a prophet told the remnant church to do a long time ago. The coronavirus may prompt migration out of American cities. Another article I copied down here. And so they're saying, look, there might be an exodus out of the cities. What did Ellen White tell us about the cities? She said, more and more, as time advances, our people will have to leave the cities. For years, we have been instructed that our brethren and sisters, and especially families with children, should plan to leave the cities as the way opens before them to do so. Many will have to labor earnestly to help open the way. That's from Selected Messages um, uh, 2360. Uh, our cities are increasing in wickedness, she says, and it is becoming more and more evident that those who remain in them unnecessarily do so at the peril of their soul's salvation. That's from Country Living, page 9. Cities and towns are steeped in sin and moral corruption, yet there are lots in every Sodom. Testimonies for the Church, Volume 6, page 136. I hope you get that. One, time to start looking to get out of the city. Two, just because it's time to get out of the city doesn't mean somebody in the city isn't still a lot, still vexed by what's going on. And we are instructed to continue to minister in the cities no matter what. But I would argue that isn't it interesting all of a sudden, everyone's starting to realize maybe it's not so good to live in the cities. And just like our health message and everyone's, so many people are, are going vegan and trying to live a more plant-based life, isn't it interesting that even now, uh, many are starting to say, look, it's time to get out of these cities. But the next thing to look at really is diet then. And this shows you the con connection between diet, stress, and inflammation. Remember, it's a disease of inflammation. The serpent bit, the spirit of prophecy says, it caused an inflammation that, and then a sudden death. Um, but diet and stress are all connected to inflammation, right? Diet and stress go back and forth. You, if, you, if you have a bad diet, you become more stressed. And having a high stress makes you eat a bad diet. So it's, it's kind of like a flywheel. Um, that hurts the autonomic nervous system activity. Um, um, it increases oxidative stress, which is what... Plant flu foods go in and it is the, it's the um, antioxidants in plants because plants have to survive the ultraviolet damage, uh, rays damage from the sun. So God designed them to have these antioxidants in them to keep them from being destroyed by the sun. So when you eat the plant, you get the antioxidants. And that protects against oxidative stress. When you eat a bad diet and you're stressed out, oxidative stress goes up. And oxidative stress is what goes around and damages the cell's DNA and causes mutations that can lead to cancer, but also can mess with the immune system and trigger an inflammatory response. Um, this is a two, uh, one of the necrosis factors here. Um, uh, necrosis factor beta activation and metabolic responses to food. And of course here we get inflammation and the more inflamed you get, you see the arrow goes back and what happens? You get more stress, more negative emotions. Inflammation, the studies are showing, does not just affect you physiologically. Having a hyperinflammatory state will affect you psychologically and emotionally. 
There have been people who've said that people in end-stage coronavirus begin to have some weird psychological patterns. I'll do some research and come back on that. Um, I've even heard people talk about hallucinations and other things. Uh, I'll, I'll get do some research and come back. But I can tell you that there's definitely a correlation. When you're constantly in a hyper-inflammatory state, it messes with your mental health and your emotional health. Hence, we use this. One famous nutrition came up with that stressed is desserts spelled backwards. Stressed is dessert spelled backwards. It actually works this way. That the more stressed you become, the better that chocolate cake and ice cream tastes. And as more of the chocolate ice cream and cake you eat, the more stressed you become. And so again, it's like a flywheel that feeds uh, like, 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 like positive uh, reinforcement, constantly pushing you further and further away. And it makes it so that, again, the coronavirus, you are more susceptible to it. So what else do we know about this thing? Well, we know that zinc is critical. A lot of people take zinc supplements. I want to submit to you, if you have to take supplements, take them. But I'd rather you ate zinc-rich foods, and I'll show you those in a second. Here's our innate immunity. This is not specific. This is the immunity that your body does without having any, known something before. And this is why this is important. Innate immunity, um, the innate immunity um, shows you many different things and can, and can help you to see things. And what I want you to see here is the innate immunity triggers things like monocytes, um, uh, macrophages, um, uh, uh, PMN cells, all of these things it triggers. And these don't need to have seen um, uh, the antigen before. So they don't need to have seen the virus before to kill the virus. Why is that important? Because this virus is called a novel virus, meaning nobody's seen it before. So if this part of your immune system isn't working well, this virus that no one has seen before is going to have a field day on you because the other part of your, your immune system, the adaptive part of your immune system that is more specific, won't have any antibodies specific to this virus to attack it. And notice everybody now is trying to go and get these antibody tests because they want to know if they're immune. But I want to submit to you that if your immune system is functioning right, your immune system can beat this thing before it ever gets in you. Oh, y'all missing this thing. If you follow the health message, you have an immune system that can beat this thing before it gets in you. So here, look at the second one. When you don't have enough zinc, notice, and I, I can't get deep into this slide, there's a lot here, but what happens is much of the processes that are supposed to happen to protect you against um, uh, infection in the innate immunity uh, arm of your immune system doesn't work. Without zinc, it doesn't work. Zinc needs to be able to work as a cofactor for many of the processes that happen around many of um, the cells and components of the innate immune system. So that the infectious agent can't get in and work. As you see in the, on the, in the picture on the left, you can see where it functions correctly. In the picture on the right, you see where it doesn't, and the infectious agent gets to get a foothold into the body. So where do you get the zinc from? Well, beans. Just one cup of garbanzo beans provides nearly a quarter of your daily zinc needs. Garbanzo beans, chickpeas, very good for you. That's, you can find it in hummus. Um, and, you know, obviously, you can cook it and make it 100 ways. It's very good as curry. I'm going to show you why that's important later on. I was talking to one of my Trinidadian colleagues today, and they were talking about roti, and how they make chickpeas and, and, and curry it. And I said, that's good, good to fight the coronavirus. 
Green vegetables like asparagus and spinach. Spinach is very high in zinc and in another compound we're about to discuss, discuss uh, um, uh, in a second. Mushrooms, from shiitake to criminy to plain white mushrooms. I've talked about button mushrooms before. Mushrooms are, are friendly, the friendly fungi, uh, often known as the vegetarian's meat, are great sources of zinc with about 10% of the daily um, uh, um, uh, volume, uh, uh, daily um, need per cup. Nuts, nuts are one of Mother Nature's healthiest all-around snacks, full of healthy fats, vitamins, and minerals, including zinc. And look at this. Which nuts are rich in zinc? Pine nuts, pecans, almonds, walnuts, peanuts, and hazelnuts. Dr. Uh, Sabate over in at Loma Linda did some of groundbreaking work around the importance of nuts. And here uh, we continue to find that nuts are critical. A handful of nuts a day are very good for you. What else has zinc in it? Whole grains have zinc in it. One cup of raw oats boasts about 27% of the daily value of zinc, while the same amount of cooked brown rice has 13%, and a slice of whole wheat bread, 5%. Another whole grain packed with zinc is quinoa. So here, look at that, zinc. In, in the foods that God gave us to eat, the health message itself, rich in zinc, and will protect you. A lot of people, like I said, they want to take zinc supplements, but zinc supplements won't have all of the other healthy things that come in whole grains or nuts uh, um, or in spinach that will also protect you because one of the things that comes in spinach along with the zinc is a compound called quercetin. Quercetin has antiviral, and this is a plant pigment. That's important to remember. It actually colors the plant. So it's in the red of the red apple skin. That's why you don't, the best part of apple to eat is actually the skin. Clean it, buy it organic, grow it in your backyard, do what you have to do. But quercetin is in the pigment. Quercetin has antiviral, anti-inflammatory, and antioxidant properties. Did you get that? Antiviral and anti-inflammatory. What are you trying to beat right now? A disease from a virus that causes inflammation. How much quercetin do you think you need? You need to be eating quercetin. Chronic inflammation can escalate and result in various diseases, particularly cancer. Quercetin helps build immunity by countering the formation of excess inflammation in the body. Did you get that? Remember the fiery serpents that cause inflammation? Quercetin, I would argue, I'd bet you, and I shouldn't, I would, shouldn't say that, but I would, I would bet you that in manna, it was, it was full and rich with zinc and quercetin. And it was able to protect them better and their immune system than anything else. Now watch this. What are some quercetin-rich foods? Elderberries. of a huge 42 milligrams per 100 grams of edible portion. Red onions, 33. White onions, 21. Cranberries, 15. Remember, it's a pigment, so that's why a lot of colors in these things. Hot peppers, kale, blueberries, red apples, um, uh, romaine lettuce, pears, spinach, all rich in quercetin. And why is quercetin so important? It's all the things I just told you about it being anti-inflammatory, antiviral. I won't get deeper into that except to say what we found is that when you have zinc and quercetin rich diets, which is the diet God designed, you cannot get quercetin from animal products because they don't have plant pigments in them. So when you combine these things together, look what, look what happens. In this one here, you see the ionophore for zinc to get into the cell. What happens, is, what happens is quercetin, and you can see quercetin over here in the second slide. When quercetin is present, it opens up the passages for zinc to go deep into the cell. Why is that important? When zinc is in the cell, it helps to make the immune system, in the body, it helps to make the immune system better. But when it's in the cell, the virus can't hijack 
its machinery. It's difficult for the virus to do what it does. So zinc is important to get in the cell. But if you just take a zinc tablet without eating the quercetin, um, and then some people say, well, I'll just take a quercetin tablet. But you won't get all the other stuff that will now. You notice there are more than one thing. It's not just quercetin. There are other, um, uh, this is uh, uh, CoQ here down at the bottom. There are other things that also help open up these portals. When you eat a whole food, plant-based, um, with lots of variety, you will get zinc deep into your cells and the virus won't be able to get a foothold. Mushrooms. Clinical studies show that mushrooms have benefits that range from improved cognition, that's how well you think, to weight management and lowered cancer risk. Preliminary evidence suggests that mushrooms may support healthy immune response, lower inflammation, and through interaction with the gut, microbiota, improved immune cell functionality. What we now know is that it is the microbiome, the, the bacteria in the gut, the, the, the newly discovered organ, quote unquote, of the body. The, all of the good bacteria in the gut also plays a role in two things, satiation, when you eat high-fiber foods, the fatty acids go into your bloodstream, tell your body you're full, that are broken down by the fibers your body can't break down. But it also helps because so much of the receptors for your brain function, like serotonin and so forth, even dopamine, they're receptors in your gut. It, it actually helps to play out to make your mind-body work better, enhances your immune system. Um, and so when God put Adam and Eve out of the garden, it's interesting, what he added to their diet was the herbs of the field. He added vegetables. Why? Because now that sin entered the world, you'd have bad bacteria. And you'd need food that would feed the good bacteria. And that's what they're saying when you look at these things. So um, this article says natural, and this is a, these are research articles, natural bioactive compounds from fungi uh, as potential candidate um, for, for protease inhibitors and immune modulators to apply for coronaviruses. You see that? Huh. That's what they're researching. Antiviral agents from fungi, antiviral, diversity mechanisms and potential applications from two different um, um, journals, one from the molecules, um, and I don't, I don't know where this one is from, but you can, you can look it up. It, these are, they're beginning to look at this and say, these foods will help protect you directly against the virus. Now, so green leafy vegetables. Won't get deep into this except to say that, um, that in this is you need the vitamin E, the vitamin C, um, the vitamin A. All of those are important in how it works, and they're all in green leafy vegetables. Um, nuts and seeds are also very important because of the healthy fats. Some of the vitamins and minerals are better carried across the, 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 the gut uh, into the bloodstream if there's some fat around. There's a lot I could say about nuts and seeds. I mentioned some things already, um, but they are critical if you're going to have a good immune system and be able to stay safe from the virus. But one of the things I want to make sure I throw in there is something called curcumin. It comes from turmeric, um, and curcumin is an orange-yellow component of turmeric, um, a spice often found in curry powder. So Jamaicans, Indians, uh, Trinidadians eat a lot of curry uh, in their foods, and it's very good for you. fights cancer, traditionally known for its anti-inflammatory effects. Did you see that? So when you're dealing with a virus that is pro-inflammatory and you're eating uh, curcumin, it, ha it has been shown in the last two decades to be a potent immune, um, immunomodulatory agent that can modulate the activation of T cells, B cells, macrophages, neutrophils, natural killer cells, and dendritic cells. And I have a diagram here that shows the inflammatory targets modulated by curcumin so that it actually turns down the immune response. And this diagram shows you how scientists are looking at how that happens. 
Um, curcumin can also downregulate the expression of various pro-inflammatory cytokines, including tumor necrosis factor, interleukin 1, 2, 6, 8, and 12, chemokines, mostly likely through inactivation of the, of the transcription factor, NF-kappa beta, uh, beta. Interestingly, however, curcumin at low doses can also enhance antibody responses. So it's interesting. It will not only turn down inflammation, it will make your antibodies respond better so if you're on a diet like if you're on curcumin and you are exposed to the virus, you're probably, possibly, more likely to develop an immunity than someone who isn't. And what we're finding in America is, and, and around the world, people are getting exposed to this virus and aren't really later on having um, the immune response that they predicted. Some people are, some people aren't. In fact, some people are even testing positive a second time, which may just be some of the RNA was left over and they're just getting, you know, they're picking it up as the body gets rid of it. But there may be some people who, because of lifestyle issues, can't develop immunity long term. Curcumin might be one of the ways that that happens. And if you look at the diagram here, it shows you when curcumin is here, how it helps to slow down chronic diseases um, caused by inflammation. So if that's what you should eat, and there's a lot more I could say, especially drinking lots of water um, to make sure you stay hydrated, so you flush the viral particles out of your system. But what food should you avoid? Well, that's, the answer is obvious, pro-inflammatory foods um, and added sugars. Well, added sugar is a pro-inflammatory food, but it directly messes with the immune system. I want you to see, look at this, church. Here's how your white blood supposed to, cells are supposed to act. Um, the white blood cell approaches the toxin or the antigen. It surrounds it. Uh, the white blood cell engulfs the toxin. The vitamin C, high levels of vitamin C, um, uh, is needed, uh, use, it uses vitamin C to absorb the toxin and is ready to start again. So vitamin C inside the white blood cell helps to do this. If the vitamin C is pulled, in, vitamin C is pulled into the cell, you need a concentration like 50 times higher than normal. White blood cell is, when that happens, the white blood cell is able to destroy the maximum numbers of viruses and, bac and bacteria. But when you eat sugar, a Snickers bar, that Ben and Jerry's, you should call it Ben and Scary's, and you bring all that sugar in and your blood sugar levels shoot up, even at a blood sugar level of 120, which we consider normal, it can, it can affect how much vitamin C the white blood cell is able to pull in. And if it goes down to a concentration 13 times normal, because sugar looks like the vitamin C in some ways, at least can pass through some of the same system and dilute the vitamin C in the cell, all of a sudden the white blood cell can only destroy 25% as many viruses and bacteria. And that's at a blood sugar level of like 120. Imagine those people whose blood sugars go up to 250, 300, 400. This is why diabetics get such terrible infections. Here it is. Sugar um, will do that. How do you get, what do I mean sugar? Is it sugar in fruit? No. The sugar in fruit is, fruit is bound to fiber, so it is slowly released so you don't get massive spikes in your blood sugar. What it is is like Kool-Aid. Kool-Aid is sugar. And most, when I was growing up, my grandmother would add sugar to the Kool-Aid. And I always say when I talk about this, it's like liquid, liquid crack. And you drink that thing and that's, your blood sugar shoots up. And all of a sudden, your white blood cells go to sleep. I want you to get this. After that Snickers bar or after that honey bun or after that Twinkie or that donut or after that Kool-Aid or that sugary drink you got from Starbucks, your blood, white blood cells go to sleep for six to eight hours. They don't function well for at least like up to six hours, which means now if you get exposed to this virus, you don't have what you need to fight. So Sugar. But not only does sugar do that, sugar is also directly toxic, uh, as a direct toxin, and it directly 
directly um, causes inflammation in the body. So here's the thing that's tricky. We, I, you always pick on Snickers bars and candy and white bread, white rice, white flour, white flour tortillas. Um, I could go on and on, high fructose, corn syrup. There are a lot of other ways that you can get processed foods, ultra processed foods designed to have a long shelf life that will raise your blood sugar terribly and cause you to be more predisposed to disease. What else do you need to avoid? Animal products. And I have a slide here showing um, cuts of meat and fish and cheese and eggs. A staple for many people in the world, but also very pro-inflammatory. One of the pro-inflammatory compounds is TMAO, which is uh, trimethylamine oxide. It is a molecule uh, linked to cardiovascular disease, an inflammatory condition. Um, it, you eat carnitine, which comes from meat. The animal muscle tissue, a lot of bodybuilders take stuff like this, they're trying to get big. You take that stuff, and when you eat the carnitine, the gut bacteria I talked about earlier breaks it down into a molecule called TMA, which then goes, gets to your liver and becomes TMAO. And studies show that when you go vegan or vegetarian, even if you do eat animal product, you can't produce the TMAO because you switched your gut flora, the type of bacteria in your gut, for, away from the ones that can produce this inflammatory toxin to ones that can't. Are you getting this? If you follow the health message, you are protected in layers from some of these diseases. Certain foods, such as meat, appear to harbor bacteria that can trigger inflammation, dead or alive, even when the food is fully cooked. I, this, one, this one is a shocker. The endotoxin from meat products. A quarter pound of beef has over 100 million bacteria. The endotoxins exist even after the meat is cooked. That's the, the endotoxins are what the bacteria give off. So you kill, you kill a bacteria when you cook it thoroughly. And can you imagine you ever go to a restaurant and eating the meat and blood is running out of it? You know how much endotoxin is in that? Because you didn't even kill the bacteria. Even when it's dropped into the acid of your stomach, it, the endotoxins don't go away. So what do they do? Well, um, when you, the, the, it's the combination of those endotoxins combined with the saturated fat that help the endotoxins cross the gut wall into the bloodstream, and that those endotoxins make inflammation happen in the body. That's why meat ages people when, you eat, when people eat a diet highly of meat, especially um, when you consider all the times when they find all these weird bugs in the meat. But the meat itself is going to have bacteria, and the endotoxins will cause inflammation. Here's what Ellen White says. She says, God chose to restrict the diet of the children of Israel for their good. He even promised them that he would take all sickness away from the midst of them if they would be obedient and follow him fully. He gave them angels food by morning by morning. But what a pitiful sight do we see in the camp of Israel. Men and women are weeping in the doors of their tents and there is heard the, the pitiful cry. We, would, would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots and did eat bread to the full. Look at what I just told you. Stay away from meat, flesh pots, and the bread, sugar. To the full. Exodus 16.3. Our soul, say they, loatheth this light bread. Numbers 21.5. It didn't have the kick. Some people like, you know, you try and get them to eat that Ezekiel 4.9 bread that's so healthy, and they complain about how hard it is to chew. Toast it. Because the wonder bread you're eating just turns into sugar. Scripture is telling us here that you can't sit at the flesh pots of Egypt and live. 
Not the way God designs us to live. What? Is it possible God could be so hard-hearted as to, to prescribe a diet for the children of Israel which could not satisfy their wants or sustain their life? Would that God who created man require of him uh, that which would make him miserable? Ellen White says, oh no, exclamation point. Israel had been fostering a perverted appetite which would, if indulged, shorten their life. The reason it's so hard to get people to eat healthy is our appetites have been perverted by fast food companies, junk food companies. We are, we're eating hot Cheetos and, and Doritos and don't bite apples and pears and grapes. Our tastes have been perverted. And so we complain that the food God would have us eat is bad food, this light bread. But the truth of the matter is we have been eating being made like Egyptians in what we want. Babylon has defined our appetite. And unlike Daniel and the three Hebrew boys, we refuse to stand up and eat what God has prescribed. God, and Ellen White says here, Israel had been fostering a perverted appetite, which would have indulged, shortened their life. These are the health disparities we see in African Americans and the shortening of life expectancy in America some parts of Europe, and even in Australia, we're watching these global pandemics around lifestyle disease. They shut the whole world down over this virus. Yet they're happy with millions of people dying every year from heart attacks, strokes, and cancer. Ellen White goes on to say, God, for their good, restricted their diet, but they rebelled against God's requirements and thought themselves better able to choose their own food than God was to choose for them. And they would not submit to God's requirement. The result was disease and death in the wilderness. Letter 41a. Just so will it be with modern Israel. God has given them the light upon health reform in these last days that his people may reform their unnatural habits and come into a, more, into a more healthful condition where their bodies and minds might be preserved in a good condition of health for their good in this world and their eternal happiness in the next world. Our Redeemer proposes to lead the people of God through to the heavenly Canaan and if they will be led by him. Appetite is connected, Spirit of Prophecy says, to the third angel's message. The health reform is connected to the third angel's message. If we are to proclaim the message and heed the message, appetite must be defeated. God wants to lead us, she says, the people of God through to the heavenly Canaan, if they will be led by him. But if we're complaining about what God has given us to sustain us through the wilderness of this earth and this life, we won't make it to the heavenly Canaan. Numbers 21 and verse 7. Therefore, the people came to Moses. When they started dying from them serpent bites, it's funny, a lot of them, start, they start seeing things differently. It's funny, they said, would the Lord have killed us in Egypt? And as soon as they start dying, everybody wants the Lord to heal them. Therefore, the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. Moses was a good man. Verse 8 of Numbers 21, And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looks upon it, shall live. 
And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it on a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Here's some interesting things about this. First of all, I don't think there's anywhere else in the Bible, very few places in the Bible, where God instructs anyone to actually make a graven image of anything. And here's one of the few places that that happens. And he is to take this thing of brass. Now, here's what's interesting. We're talking about zinc. One of the key components of zinc, of brass, no matter how you make the brass, is zinc. Interesting. So they take this, this serpent. Um, Moses takes this thing and puts it on a pole and lifts it up. And he says, when you look at it, you'll live. Moses made the serpent. And if, uh, that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. What a crazy story. What do you mean you look at a serpent and live? That doesn't make any sense. Why would God use this means of healing the people? Why would he stop this pandemic this way? They're being bitten by serpents and you raise up a bronze brass serpent. Doesn't make any sense. Ah, watch this. Ellen White says in manuscript uh, 75, 1899, she says, the brazen surf serpent was uplifted in the wilderness that those who looked in faith might be made whole. In like manner, God sends a restoring, healing message to men, calling upon them to look away from man and earthly things and place their trust in God. He has given his people the truth with power through the Holy Spirit. So Ellen White says, that the, the health message has been lifted up like that serpent has been lifted up. If you're willing to look to the health message and, and, and believe and practice the health message, and you won't make all the changes overnight, but if you look and believe, God will meet you where you are and bring you where you need to go, and you will live by the power of the Holy Ghost. The, the health message needs to be lifted up and looked upon. That's the first thing. But the second thing is this. They had to look in faith at that serpent. We're going to come back around to why that serpent was used in a second. But you have to look at that serpent in faith. Trust in God. The last message I told the story of the wheelbarrow and how the, the, the tightrope walker was able to walk across the tightrope. Um, and, and, and they said, do you have faith that you can do it? Yes. Would you get in the wheelbarrow and let him push you across the tightrope? No. Trust means you'll get in the wheelbarrow. I'm telling you, many of us as Christians, we have the faith enough to believe, but we don't trust God enough to get in the wheelbarrow. But trusting in God lowers stress. We talked last week about when Jesus said, take my yoke upon me for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When you trust God, you take his yoke. You allow him to push the wheelbarrow. When you're in the wheelbarrow, you have no power over anything. You can only stay there and trust. Because stress equals demands minus resources. That's the stress equation. Here's the thing. The world will give you false resources. You see that donut? That's a false resource. A candy bar, bar, that ice cream, that bowl of ice cream, that's a false resource. The cigarette, the cocaine, the alcohol, the beer that you like to drink, false resource. You feel better for the moment, but as my good friend Whitley Phipps, um, we and I have been talking to him and talking about uh, the, how, how the character needs to be purified. He says, uh, one of the lines that he said to me this week that resonated with me is he said, short-term pleasure brings long-term pain, but short-term pain brings long-term pleasure. 
For many of us, when we're going through something, we're looking for short-term pleasure to make us feel better, to change our mood in the moment. I'm telling you, those are false resources. You feel better, but it only destroys you, makes your problems worse. If you follow God and, and use his resources, what he's given you, the manna that falls from heaven, the serpent, the brass serpent raised up on the pole, he'll give you the resources that will help you combat your stress. And you, while, you can, like I like to say, when Jesus is in the vessel, you can smile at the storm. That's the resource you want. When the drunk gets drunk and inebriated and passes out and vomits, blacks out and 12 hours later wakes up, every problem he got drunk with, he wakes up with. Except worse, because he might have a DUI or a broken nose. I'm challenging you. Reason that New Start, one of the T's in New Start is trust in God is because you cannot truly be healthy if you don't trust God. In fact, none of the other components really matter if you don't trust him, if you're not resting in him, if you're not willing to get in the wheelbarrow. Because stress all by itself will cause inflammation. That's why David says in Psalm 56 and verse 3, what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. David says, when I get stressed, I'm going to trust you. I had a patient, a wonderful Puerto Rican young lady this week, a Christian one of my patients, and um, she was anxious and stressed out about the virus and whether or not she had it, and she, had a, she was worried about her blood pressure, perfectly healthy, all of her vital signs, perfect. And God, you know, God has to speak to me now when I'm practicing medicine. He has to tell me who to talk to and who not to talk to. And I, and I said to her, I said, are you a Christian? She said, yes, I'm Pentecostal. She said, I've been reading my Bible. I said, young lady, God sent you to talk to me today. I said, I'm going to give you two Bible verses. The first one is 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of a love and of a sound mind. And I said, the second one is Psalm 56 and verse 3. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. I said, young lady, trust God. And I want every time the anxiety starts to build up in you, I want you to recite the word of the living God. A promise every time. I want you to fight fire with the fire of the word of God. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. And verse 4 of Psalm 56 says, In God I will praise his word. In God I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. John 3, 14, 15. In order to make the story even more clear, Jesus would not leave us hanging on this story. John 3 and verse 14, Jesus says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have ever eternal life. Now, you know, everybody quotes John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. We like John 3, 16 and 17, but 14 and 15 are a lot, especially 14, difficult to understand. How could Jesus be a serpent? How could he even be related to a serpent in any way? Jesus said, as Moses lifted up the serpent, he doesn't call himself a serpent, but as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. How is there a connection? If you understand this connection, you get a vital spiritual lesson. That the, the reason that that serpent was lifted up was because what had to be sacrificed, in a sense, 
was what was causing the problem. Here's what the spirit of prophecy says. Moses was bidden to lift the brazen serpent on the pole and make the proclamation that whosoever should look upon it should live. And all who looked did live. They recovered health at once. What a strange symbol of Christ was the likeness of the serpents which stung them. This symbol was lifted on a pole and they were to look to it and be healed. So Jesus was made in love. I love this. So Jesus was made in the likeness of sinful flesh. He came as the sin bearer. The same healing, life-giving message is now sounding. It points to the uplifted Savior upon the shameful tree. Those who have been bitten by that old serpent, the devil, are bidden to look and live. Look alone to Jesus as your righteousness and your sacrifice as you are justified by faith. The deadly sting of the serpent will be healed. Christ became sin for us. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Let me tell you something, church. Jesus took on sinful flesh, the very flesh that was killing us, this, this flesh prone to inflammation and disease, tempted uh, and, and, and so easily falling to that temptation. This flesh riddled with sin, or at least the propensity to it. Jesus put on the flesh of human beings, born in a manger. But he was tempted in all points as are we, yet without sin. And that flesh lifted up on the cross. Flesh that was no, not perfect flesh. It was a human flesh. He got hungry. He got tired. He lost weight. He could gain weight. Just like us. Tempted in all points as are we. When that flesh was lifted up, like that bronze serpent was lifted up, if you look up to him in belief, you'll live. Because the greatest pandemic isn't the pandemic of the coronavirus. It's the pandemic of sin. There are many who have been bitten by the serpent, Satan himself. And it's an inflammatory bite. It causes you to become selfish, self-centered, prideful. Messes with you on all levels. Causes you to no longer want to connect to God. It is an inflammatory bite that serpent, that serpent Satan wants to give you. But let me tell you something, church. If you look up to Jesus, you can be healed through faith from the sting of the serpent and the sting of death and the grave. I challenge you as we come out of lockdown now, church, look up and live. Don't have an appetite for pandemic. Get to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Learn to trust him. Pray for the indwelling of the Holy Ghost. And I believe that the God of the universe will show up on your behalf. As a matter of fact, I don't believe. I know he will. He will come running to you. 
If you will just turn to him, look up and live. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to study your word. Oh, Lord, what a strange story when Moses put a brass serpent on a pole and stuck it up in the sky, up into the air. And those who had been bitten by serpents could look up and live. Lord, every day you protect us from the fiery serpents of this world. Help us not to be complainers and push away your protection. Lord, every day we get hit by things that are inflammatory. Help us, Lord, to learn to look to your word, the great anti-inflammatory agent, spiritual anti-inflammatory agent in the universe, the word of the living God. Father God, even when we have sinned and failed, help us to remember that we can look up to Christ, lifted up on that cross, because you didn't stay on the cross. You, you went there as a sacrifice for us. But Father God, on the third day, you got up and walked out of the grave. So any of us and all of us has access to eternal life. Lord, help us to choose you, even as this pandemic winds up and after the lockdown, let us be more committed to Jesus Christ than ever. This is our prayer in your precious and holy name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.